You guys doing okay? Who have we been learning about this week? Next to Jesus, the greatest king in the Bible. A man who did mighty things and we have a lot to learn from. The last two days, what have we been doing? We've been going behind the scenes of his life to look at what he's like, look at some of the secrets to his success, why God chose him to be king. Day one, if you remember that, all of the different sons of Jesse lined up, but God chose David. Why? Because he had a heart after God's own heart. He loved God. People look at the appearances, but what does God look at? The heart. That's right. You can look like you've got it all together. You can be Mr. Gifted. You can have lots of different abilities. But if you don't have a heart after God, it's no good. David had a heart after God. Day two, we looked at the way that David killed off lions and bears. And because he learned to kill lions and bears, he learned lessons that made him able to kill Goliath. And we looked at some of the lions and bears that actually God has in our lives. Lessons that we can learn in our teenage years that will help us in good stead for our journey with God. We learned about two. Who can remember them? What was the first one? Faithfulness. Being faithful with something. Being committed. Saying yes and doing it. And what was the second one? Obedience. Obedience. Learning to obey. Learning to come underneath authority. And if you don't learn to kill these lions and bears in your life, it will be like a ceiling over your life that will stop you from God using you in a mighty way. But God in his grace can do whatever he wants and can lead you through these things and help you to kill these lions and bears. So we learn how important it is, even as a 12-year-old, even in our early teens, to kill these lions and bears of faithfulness and obedience So that's some of the behind the scenes of this great king, David. We journeyed with him from a shepherd boy to being anointed to seeing he can take out these lions and bears. Now it's day three. It's the big day. It's the day he takes on Goliath. Are you ready? Let me pray, then we get straight into this. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that your word is alive and active. And we pray this morning that you would speak to us. Change our hearts and make us more like you and teach us about the victory of God. Amen. 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 This is one of the most famous stories in the world. The story of David and Goliath. I'm going to, just it's my privilege to unpack it a little bit and just learn. We've learned behind the scenes. Let's look at what this story teaches us about God. Are you ready to set the scene? We've got two hills. We're going to go back 3,000 years ago. You remember, it's 2015, plus another 1,000 years back. It's the battle time. The armies are there. They're assembled on two hills. And on one hill, you've got the people of God. Give me a thumbs up for the people of God. But on the other hill, we've got the Philistines, and they're the enemy. Thumbs down for the Philistines. Boo. Now, the Philistines had this one champion, this one guy called Goliath. And he was quite literally head and shoulders above the rest. Goliath was nine foot tall. Now I'm just going to ask Nathan Fellingham. Nathan, you come up. Nathan was a keyboard player earlier. Nathan is six foot tall. I've got this stool, which I've measured with a tape measure. It's about three foot tall. Nathan, do you reckon you can quickly stand on there? I'll support it for you. Just pan out quickly on the camera if that's all right. That's how tall Goliath was. Nine foot tall. I'm around sort of six foot, average kind of age, I don't know. Nine foot. The guy's a giant. Not only was he nine foot tall, but the armor that he wore was nine stone. 
Hands up who weighs under nine stone. That's most of us. I'll probably actually I won't ask the next question. <laughs> I weigh quite a bit, but I remember at nine stone, there's some people, hands up if you weigh, weigh roughly nine stone around there. Okay, that's a few of you. His armor, just his armor was nine stone. Strong man. He had a huge spear, and the end of the spear was the metal pointy bit. Just the metal pointy bit was the same as seven bags of sugar. Seven kilograms. Just to pick this spear up was like a weighty thing. This guy, Goliath, a huge champion who dominated and stood on the front line of the army of the Philistines. Thumb down. Boo. Thanks, mate. Should we say thank you to Nathan? Yeah. Every day, while one side was the good people, God's people, the Israelites, and the bad side over here, Philistines, every day this Goliath would march out and his voice would echo across the valley and he would stand towards the Israelites and shout at them and taunt them and say this, Why bother using your whole army? Why don't you just choose one man? One man to come and fight me, Goliath. And if they win, we will all surrender. But if I beat that man and we win, you guys surrender. Don't bother trying to fight me. I will stand against the people of Israel. I will stand against the armies of God. Come on, bring your one man to me. And every day for 40 days, he stood and made that taunt. Why did he say that for 40 days? I'll tell you why. Because every man in Israel was scared. The stakes are so high. Yeah, maybe they could find one brave guy to come and fight this Goliath. But if he lost, that means all of Israel loses. If they won, it means all of Israel wins. But no one wants to fight him. And it says this in 1 Samuel 17, 24. Let's read this out together. It'll be on the screen. Same as always, you read the bits in red. 1 Samuel 17, 24. The men of Israel... When they saw the man, fled from him and were much I think I would be. Nine foot tall, Goliath with a huge spear. And if they went out and lost, it means the whole of Israel lost. Israel were greatly afraid. For 40 days, day after day, they were scared. The stakes were so high. One man to fight. If they win, yes. But if they lose, it's complete surrender. Goliath stood there patronizing, mocking them. Casting fear into the camp. You imagine those Israelites day after day, for 40 days, going to bed afraid. What's going to happen? It's this great standoff between the Philistines, thumbs down, and the Israelites, thumbs up. Going to bed at night, that taunt echoing around in the head, not being able to sleep, mocking them. This voice going round and round, afraid in their bed. What's going to happen? Well, here comes our man, David. You remember he had lots of brothers? Well, the three oldest brothers, they are actually part of the army. They were on the front line. And one day Jesse said to David, David, I need you to take some things to your brothers. Can you go to the front line? And so David, he comes up to the scene. He gets to the battle scene. And he happens to be there to give this stuff to his brothers. And, and this one particular time, he heard the taunt of Goliath. Goliath doing his daily thing. You Israelites, why bother trying to fight me? I stand against the people of God. Choose one man to fight me, and if you win, means we will surrender. But if I win, you surrender. Come on, who's going to fight me? And you remember, we learned yesterday, didn't we? 
David was like, hang about. I know the Lord has delivered me from the lion and the bear. I reckon I could take this guy out. So David begins to ask around. Hey, I think I could do this. He begins to ask some of the other people, some of the brothers. But you know what? David's brother, you know the older three? They actually begin to get a bit annoyed at him. They get a bit annoyed that he's piping up or brave. And they actually begin to accuse him. David, you're just doing that because you want to be really big and impressive. I know what's in your heart. You just want to look really good in front of people. And they start to falsely accuse him, start to despise him. But David in his heart knows, no, 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 no. You're just seeing a giant here, but I'm seeing a bigger giant. I know that my God can take this person out. So word starts to go around the camp. There's this guy who thinks he can take him out. And Saul, who was the leader of the armies, is like, bring this young man to me. And you remember we learned yesterday, he was like, you, you're a tiny boy. This huge giant, he's trained in battle, but you're so small. But you remember he said, hey, the Lord delivered me from lions and bears. He can deliver me from this Goliath. And so Saul's like, well, no one else has come forwards. If you think you can do it, we'll do it. So Saul gets his armor. You're going to go to battle. You need armor, right? He's got armor. It weighs seven stone, nine stone. You should have some armor too. So David, a young little lad, he, he puts on this armor, but poof, it's really heavy. He's only a little guy, and his armor's heavy. And he's just like, you know what? I, I can't go and fight Goliath in this armor. It's not being tested. It's not the way I work. I can't do this. So David didn't use Saul's armor. He went forward and took him out without any armor. Why is that? Because this battle wasn't going to be won with the sword. This battle wasn't going to be won with great strength and armor. This battle belonged to God. And so David, this young shepherd boy, only one chapter before was a nobody, nobody in a field somewhere looking after some sheep, pipes up. The poor guy, even his own brothers, despised him, accused him of wrong. He steps up to the plate and he stands there. Face to face of this giant. One man representing the whole of the people of God. Who in their own right were helpless. We read a minute ago, every man was scared. None of them had the ability to save Israel. None of them could save themselves. Only one man piped up forward and he stood there. And do you know what he said to Goliath? I would like us to read this together. It's going to come on the screen. It's a long passage. And I'd like you to read it as if you're standing, looking a giant in the face, and you know that your God is bigger. Can you do that with me? It means you're going to read it with purpose, and you're going to read it like you're about to fight a battle. 1 Samuel 17, 45-47. You came against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you in my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give you the bodies of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And that all the assembly may know that. The Lord saves not with swords and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. And uh, yes! And so David, he ran at Goliath. And Goliath ran at David, but he didn't have a sword, remember? How's he going to do it? How's he going to take him down? Everybody's looking on, the tension's high. Everyone's like, what's going to happen? He's got no sword, he's got no armor. What David did have was a sling. 
And he knew how to use a sling and throw it. And so he pulled out of his hands some smooth stones, five smooth stones. He put one in the sling and he ran at this huge giant and went, thum, and like a bullet, this stone went, and landed in the forehead of Goliath, sunk deep into his head and killed him. And Goliath went to the ground. And just so everybody was double, double sure that he's dead, David ran over, chopped off his head, held it up, and the people of Israel let out a mighty victory shout. He did it. The battle was won, not with a sword. David did it with a sling in, in a weird little way of weakness, just a sling like a bullet right in the skull. He took him out. And you can imagine the celebration that Israel were like, yes, we've taken him out. And then it dawns on the Philistine army, hang about, our, our champion is dead. We've got nothing. And they ran away and they pegged it. They ran away scared for miles and miles and miles. Like, ah! And the Israelites, they chased them. They chased after them for miles. And some of them they killed, but some of them got away. But they didn't care because they won the battle. And then the Israelites, they managed to go into the Philistine camp, into the enemy camp. And because they won the battle, this is the way it worked in like hand combat in the Bible, because they won the battle, they could take anything from the camp they wanted. They've all gone, they've all scattered. Oh, we can have this, we can have this. And the Philistines are celebrating and dancing that a victory was won by one man. They could just celebrate, they could have all of the Philistine stuff, and Israel and God's people won the day. Hallelujah! The battle wasn't won with a sword, but with a sling, and it was great joy the people of God. This was David's moment. So much of his life was leading up to this. It wasn't because David was particularly strong and mighty, but he knew God. He learned lessons in God, and he knew that God had called him to do this. This isn't a made-up story. This is a true story about God. One man standing and winning a victory for the people of God. But you know what? This story actually acts as a signpost to something else. Acts as a signpost pointing us to something even greater. You see, in the Bible, it points us towards another king, a greater king. Another one who would come, who himself would also, like David, stand up for God's people and win an even greater battle. This story actually points us towards King Jesus. Let me explain. Fast forward a thousand years to another battle. Jesus. On one side, we've got God's people, just like before, thumbs up. On this side, we've got another Goliath. And now it's not just a human Goliath who's nine foot tall, but it's the Goliath of Satan, of sin, and of death. And this Goliath stands up just like the other one and taunts and patronizes the people of God. You see, Satan is a real person. He's not just a cartoon or some little red devil with horns and a trident. He's a real person. He's not silly. And he has a role to destroy in your life whatever he can. And whether it's through constant lying, this Goliath of sin and death of Satan... He does it through constant lying. You're no good. No one will ever love you. You're a sinner. God can't use you. Or he might do it through just constant condemning you, pointing the finger at all the things you've done wrong, telling you all the things that you're not. You're a failure. You're guilty. 
Or maybe this Goliath does it through tempting you into sin. Hey, you don't need to obey your parents. You don't need to be faithful. Tempting you into sin, thinking, yeah, you're right. Little do you know, he's trapping you for the rest of your life. Live for yourself. You don't need to pay for that. Steal it. Before you know it, you're chained in sin. This Goliath of Satan and sin has the power to destroy lives. To destroy the people of God's lives. To destroy human beings' lives. This Goliath of sin, Satan, darkness. And you know what? He actually has a whole army too. This Goliath has an army. An army of principalities, of powers, of evil things that you can't see. Yes, we live in a natural world where you can see human beings and touch them. But we live in a spiritual world of angels and demonic evil powers too. And so this Goliath of Satan, sin and death, his army is like the evil powers in the world. And they're all at work in the world doing things. So this Goliath stands up taunting and patronizing the people of God. And on this side we have God's people. But here's the reality. When we face up to this Goliath of sin and death, this huge enemy, we realize actually we can't defeat it. It's power, it's darkness. None of us can take it down. No one can stop the power of this sin. No one can stop the power of this Goliath. And just like the Israelites at bed at night, these thoughts go around their head, how can we take it down? Actually, the people of God get that too. We lie at bed at night sometimes and the lies of the enemy going through our heads. You're a pathetic Christian. You can never live for God. You failed again. What's the solution to this? God himself comes down to take on this Goliath. Just like David One man emerged from the people of God, from the Israelites. Jesus Christ emerged as a young boy. And as a young boy, Jesus also, like David, learned what it was to obey his parents. He learned what it was to be faithful or something. As a young boy, he learned how to kill lions and bears. Jesus also grew up with a heart after his father, a heart after God's own heart. He's the true and better David. Just like David did, Jesus did it, but even better and even fuller. And he grew up and grew up. And the time came when it was Jesus' turn to step up to the plate, not just of a nine-foot Goliath, but the Goliath of sin and death. And Jesus came forward. And just like David's older brothers begun to despise him and reject him, People around Jesus, his friends, his brothers, his family, some of them were like pointing fingers at him, actually starting to despise him, starting to tell false rumors about him, starting to accuse him of things that he didn't do. And so Jesus, this young perfect man, stepping up to the plate, also being despised, rejected, alone, he steps up forward to take out this Goliath. How's Jesus going to take out this Goliath of sin and death? Well, just like David didn't come with the sword, Jesus also doesn't come with the sword. The way that Jesus is going to take down this Goliath is by a cross. A cross? Let me explain. Just like David, Jesus was also a shepherd, but he was called the good shepherd. And he said, hey, this good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. How does laying down a life kill a Goliath, you might ask? The method is not through a sword. He's going to defeat this enemy by dying on a cross. You see, the journey he took to the cross, pushing through the crowds, even the voice of the enemy mocking him, tempting him, when he was crucified, when those nails went through his hands and his feet, when he had a crown of thorns on his head and he died, yes, he was forgiving your sins. 
Yes, he was doing that, but also he was winning a victory against this Goliath. And let me explain how that happens. We're going to read this out together. This is Colossians 2. Let's read this together. Colossians 2, 18. This is about Jesus on the cross. He forgave us all our sins. Having cancelled the charge of its legal debts which stood against us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a of them, triumphing over them at the cross. What does this mean? At that point, when Jesus was going to the cross and lying down, it's almost like the enemy was thinking, aha, we've got him now, boys. He's about to die. He's about to die. But little did they know that through the very act of Jesus dying, what Jesus was doing was disarming all of the evil enemy. Jesus was literally taking away their weapons, disarming them and defeating them at the cross. So when Jesus stepped up, In the face of this big Goliath that stood against all the people of God, condemning, saying, you're never going to be good enough. You can't escape from your sin. And the people of God, every man scared. I've got no way out of my sin. I've got no way out of this enemy. One man stepped forward, having been despised and being rejected. And he got hammered to a cross. Nails and hands in pain. But through doing that, Jesus crushed the enemy. He disarmed the principalities and powers. And he won the victory for all time. And he let out the cry, it is finished. He won the victory over sin and death and Satan was no more. He disarms all the principalities and powers and the enemy run away, flee, scared, in shame. It said he did it in shame. He put them to open spectacle on the cross. They're suddenly all there, really embarrassed. I thought we were doing really well. I thought he was going to die. Oh my, well, all my weapons are gone. All my power is gone. What am I going to do? And they run away. And do you know what? Just like the way the Israelites got to run into the camp of the Philistines, so now the people of God can go back into the enemy's camp. And all that the enemy had stolen from the people of God, every lie can be redeemed. Everything that had been stolen can be taken back. All of the lost years can be won back. Everything that the enemy has sought to destroy, everything that he's done in our lives and the mess that he causes, we can go back into the enemy's camp and we can redeem it. Why? Because of the cross of Christ. He's won a victory and we get to stand in the victory of Christ. He's done it. It is finished. So the question I want to ask us is this, where are we right now in 2015 in the 12s to 14s in this story? How do we fit into this? That was years ago. What's our story right now? Well, I'll tell you what, if we were there that day, would you be like David? You know, I'm the strong one, I'm going to take them down. Or would you be like the Israelites, a bit scared? I think the reality is, and the truth is, all of us will be like those Israelites, scared. None of us have the power and ability to kill the Goliath of sin. That's why Jesus did it on a cross. And so friends, we're getting towards the hearts of Christianity about now. Jesus saves us through a cross, forgives us through a cross, adopts us through a cross. He, def- he defeats the enemy of Satan through a cross. It's not about just following some rules. This is about choosing Jesus as your saviour against sin and death. All of us in this room have a choice. One day when you die, you will stand before God 
And you will choose, hey, I won the battle on my own. I'm strong enough. But actually, we know none of us can take it down. None of us can stand here and say, I've never sinned. I've taken down the enemy. All of us are weak. But God in his mercy have provided a savior, Jesus, who's done the battle for us. So our two options are we choose ourselves, which we know leads to nowhere and actually leads to death and hell. Or we choose the risen Jesus. So I'm trusting in him for my victory. I'm trusting in him for eternal life. And some of you today, you've, you've never realized that Christianity is actually not even about how good you are. It's actually about Jesus and what he's done. And when you stand before God, he's not like, show me how, how the, all the victories that you've won. No, it's not that at all. It's Jesus or myself, and myself doesn't make it. So the question for us today is, have you chosen Christ? Have you chosen Christ for your victory? He's done it. He's defeated the enemy. He's opened the way for the Israelites to celebrate. Are you in or not? Are you trusting in yourself to win this battle? Are you trusting in Christ? We get to share in, in his victory. Jesus has done it. It's finished. He's defeated the enemy. We can run and share in the victory. But becoming a Christian is admitting, hey, I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not impressive enough. I can't save myself. I choose Jesus as my saviour.